Um, Pastor Jacobs has offered to, to fill in for, for Pastor Rice while he's uh, away for this morning's service. And uh, tonight we'll actually have Brother Andrew McClure will be preaching for us. But uh, I'm thankful for Pastor Jacobs and, uh, and what he does here. And he's such a, a great help. I also uh, wanted to mention really quickly um, that Scott Isom has passed away. And uh, so please be in prayer for their family. And uh, there's still details coming out about the funeral. And, uh, but uh, you just be in touch with the family there, and, and we'll, we'll get that all figured out. But uh, just be in prayer for that family as well, and pray for Miss Ruth as well, uh, physical need. And I just wanted to mention those prayer requests uh, just really quickly. didn't want to pass those up. And, uh, but at this time, Pastor Jacobs is going to come, and I appreciate it, Pastor. Turn your Bibles, please, to two passages of Scripture, both in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and Ephesians 4. Both of these passages, as you would know, are letters or epistles or letters to local churches. Obviously, 1 Corinthians is to the church at Corinth, which was a real-life church with real-life people like we have today. The difference is Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. And we have them today, all these years later. So it's part of the scriptures. And God must have thought it was important to have this stuff in here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. If you don't have your Bible, I'll read them for you. But let me encourage you, if you do, to follow along. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we, who's we? Paul, Silas, the people in the church. We are... Not we will be. Laborers together with God. That's not the sermon, but that's a good place to stop right there. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Now, some people who gain excessive weight, we say, that guy's as big as a barn. Big as a building. He didn't mean physical building. It's a spiritual building. But he's talking to a church, and that church in Corinth, I'm sure, didn't have a church like this. I don't think they had restroom facilities like we do. And I'm stopping right there. In Ephesians 4, if you turn there, we'll look there in just a moment. This morning I want to share a few thoughts about this subject in relation to what Paul said to the church at Corinth and to the church at Ephesus, which we will read in just a moment. Building up the church. Building up the church. Now, we don't need a building. We got one. So it's not the building. Although we got land to build another one, as soon as we fill this one up. We got 10 acres of land, so we got somewhere to go. But we're talking about building up the people. The people are the church, and Paul is talking to a little church in Corinthians, and in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, they had a church too. Of course, we believe in the local church. That means a church in every city possible. That's the best thing. It's not all safe people are not a church. For one thing, the church, the word church means assembly. Where are all the people in the world assembling today? They can't. Now, someday in heaven will be assembled. We're not there yet. So it really doesn't function as a church. Church is a local body in Maslin. You may not live in Maslin, but you came to this local church in Maslin. And so these were local churches in Corinth and in Ephesus. Look at chapter 4 and verse 11. We're talking about building up the church. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12. For, what's the purpose of him giving those things? In verse 11. For the perfecting of the saints. Now, he means maturing. He doesn't mean perfect because none of us are perfect. And you're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by the slight by doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You notice a couple times that we saw the word edify. You know what edify means? It means to build up. Build up. So Paul is writing to his local church, encourage him to build up the church. Paul couldn't do it by himself. Number one, he wasn't there. He was, that's why he was writing a letter. If he was there, he could just talk to him. He's writing a letter. Now, there's more than one way to build up a church. Numerically, of course, that's obvious. Spiritually, financially, in every other way, the goal of this text is to build up the body of Christ, the local church. Ephesus, Corinth, Maslin. It's a constant and always an ongoing thing. Now, Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But you know what? Think about this. He said that. But he sent the disciples to preach the gospel, to do it, to accomplish it. So we're laborers together with him. He could just snap his fingers and make it happen, if I can say it that way. He said, I'm going to build my church. So he's the one doing it, but it's... Effort on our part. That's why we preach the gospel, have somebody go to your church, have missionaries to help get the gospel out. It's him that's really doing it. But that helps build up the church, the local church. Church leaders are to build up the church. Church members are to build up their local church, their local body of Christ. Now the question is, as Paul talked to these people, what can we do? And Paul told us a couple things here. What can we do to build up this church? Now, it's not that we don't care about any other church. Now, if they're not preaching the gospel and God's word, the devil has them anyway. So you worry about those. By the way, there's more of those and there's more of us. The churches are really preaching the Bible and preaching the truth. I hate to say this, they're getting less and less. And churches who used to preach the Bible, a lot of them, they're doing everything but... Now, we believe in eating and having parties and all that stuff, but that's not what church is about. If you want to eat, eat at home. Remember Corinthians, they got in trouble for eating at the Lord's Supper, making a meal. I said, you guys eat at home before you come. So how can we help build up the church? The place you belong, the place you, this is the one that should be closest to your heart. Because that's where you go. Because I don't live in Maslin, but you're sitting in Maslin. And you're sitting in this church. Many of you remember some of you are not. You're working to that end. That's cool. And everybody certainly is welcome. But that's the church you're most interested in. Just like your own house. I don't care about my neighbor mowing his grass. Well, I take that back. I do care. And both of them are really good. The guy lived there before and never mowed his grass. So it did bother me. But I didn't go over and mow his grass. I did loan him my lawnmower once. I said, would you like to buy my lawnmower? He said, okay, yeah. Lucky I got it back in one piece. But I'm not worried about my neighbor's lawn. I'm worried about mine. Now, that's not selfishness, our own church. If we don't care about this church, who is? The outside world wants every church to go under. And the world at large wants every Bible-preaching church to go under. And even in our own nation, unfortunately, there's a move on to shut out the true churches. So I hope you understand the right balance in that. <clears throat> And again, the church is not a building, but the people. So how can we do that? Well, I'm going to give you four things. Some of these things Paul talked about here to think about. No, there's probably more than four. But I didn't eat breakfast, and I'm getting kind of hungry, if you know what I mean. Do preachers get hungry? Yeah. Well, one of the things we can do about building up the church is, and this can apply to every church, not just this one, we can put away our differences. 
In verse 13, Paul mentioned that till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now, he's not talking about what food you like to eat. Because some of you like Chinese, some of you don't. Some people like Taco Bell, some people don't. Some people like Burger King, some don't. So it's not what food, it's not what we're talking about. We're going to differ on that. He said, till we all come to the unity of the faith, we need to be unified in what we believe. Not what restaurant you like, not what color your house is, or whatever, what kind of car you got. We could argue all day about that. Yeah, I know Ford means fixed or repaired daily. I know all those jokes. I've got a Ford. Two of us got Fords. Fixed or repaired daily. Now, that's for people who like Chevys who say that. You know what? That makes no difference. That's not what he's talking about. You have your Chevy, more power to you. I'll have my Ford, whatever. And they're both going to break down. I just put four tires on mine. Why? I don't know. But Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now, Paul is talking to this church that he knew. Now, maybe he knew some underlying things. I don't know. And they were unified. That's true of anything. That's true of a football team. That's true of a baseball team or basketball team or family or whatever. Unified. But in the context, he's talking to a local church. And he said we need to be unified in the faith, what we believe. There are so many crazy things that people believe today that aren't biblical. And people say stuff to you and me, and I'm thinking, and so it depends on what day they hit me. I say, where did you get that? And if you really want to be a smart aleck, nobody here wants to be a smart aleck, but could you give me the chapter and verse for that? And watch them turn red. Because usually just something they heard, something they made up, or something they think. No Bible for it. The Bible tells us what we're supposed to believe. It's done. It's settled. It's forever settled in heaven. So he's talking about unity. Unity in faith is vital for a church to be effective. In Acts chapter 1, in the upper room, they were all of one accord. On the day of Pentecost in chapter 2, it says they also were all of one accord. So power throws, flows through a united church. You ever heard the saying, united, united we stand, divided we fall? I think it was, they kind of stole that from Jesus when he said, a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And so I think they kind of took it from that, but that, that's true. One reason our church is having so many troubles is because there's division. That's not the message this morning. I could go on about that. That's another story. We're talking about the local church. We're talking about this church, Anchor Baptist Church. <clears throat> Interesting. Grace enables us to forgive those who have wronged us in the church. Because we are all the same. You might get in a fight with somebody about Taco Bell Burger King. Really? Really? I've seen a lot of things in 45 years. A lot of silly things. And people fight over the silliest things. You know what? Well, you just smile and you go do your thing and do what you want. Forget what, forget what they say. They're wrong. In the very same chapter, in verse 32, Paul said this. After he said all this stuff, we're talking about building a church. He said this. Chapter 4, verse 32. And he's adding to what he already said. And... Be ye kind, one to another. Who's he talking to? People in this church, Ephesus. And do you think God put it in the Bible so we have for today in 2022? I think so. Because the church is made of people. It's not the building. We're all different. Some of you like the Cleveland Browns. More power to you. Some don't like the Cleveland Browns. And on and on we could go, who's going to win the World Series? I don't know, and really, truly, I don't care. I did watch part of it, and I might watch part of it. Really, my life didn't depend on the World Series, or the Browns, or the Indians. I can't just say Guardians. It sounds perverted. 
Now, my life, and the Tigers, yeah, they're going on to next, next Friday. You know what? I hope they win, but you know what? My life doesn't depend on them winning a football game. I, I wouldn't say I could care less. I mean, I hope they win. Yes, I do. That's for people who are listening online. Pretty smart, huh? <clears throat> I didn't finish the verse in Ephesians 4. And all of those stuff Paul said, and be ye kind one to another. That's not the end of the verse. Tender hearted. He's talking to people in the church. That's not the end. Forgiving one another. That's still not the end of the verse. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Boy, that's such a convicting verse, isn't it? So, yeah, those people in section three irritate me. I'm being facetious. I got one ugly look already. I'm just saying that Arbor S. generally. Forgive me. <laughs> Why did he have to say that? Because he knows when there's people together, there's going to be differences. And unless you have a verse for it, maybe you're better off to keep your mouth closed. Now, there are verses for a lot of things, and there are principles that come from verses. But I don't think there's any verse about Taco Bell. Now, we have a lady in our church who's a manager of Taco Bell, and she's not in here right now. And another lady, we actually have two ladies that are managers of Taco Bells. Grace enables us to get along with those who differ from us. And we're all different. Aren't you glad we all didn't dress and wear the same thing today to church? Talk about boring. Occasionally, you know, the preacher might wear the same suit as me, the same color. Say, did you get that memo on the, on the blue suit? It's a joke. We all look different. We, we drove different cars. We live in different houses, etc. Those who differ from us or those who would disagree with us. Now, again, if there's a Bible verse, then we can talk to someone. But so many times it's not. It's just what you think and what I think. And you know what? I hate to say this. I could be wrong. So could you. I'm not talking about the Bible now. I'm talking about personal things you think. So we can put away our differences. <clears throat> I think that's what Paul was addressing that here to this church. No, I don't know how large the church was, but I'm sure they had people like us, and they had differences. So, and be kind, forgiving one another. We can also, number two, we can focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. He said in verse 13, the last part of the verse, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I think, in other words, he's saying we need to focus on Christ. You know what the big problem with a lot of churches today that aren't they're not focusing on Christ. Now the church can do many things, of course. Yes, we can help people who are in need and food and different things like that and so on and so forth. But really the focus of the church is Christ. You can put food in a guy's stomach, but if he's lost, he's not going to heaven. Now I'm not saying we shouldn't help somebody, but what I'm saying is focus needs to be on Christ. And when the focus is constantly on Christ, in plain English, that solves a bunch of problems. It really does. Think about it. If every member of Anchor Baptist Church, and I include myself, because I'm still a member here, even though I'm not here a lot of times, if we all would focus on Christ individually, what would that do? And I'm not saying that people do not focus on Christ here, but I'm saying, what if every person of this church did that? Your focus is on Christ. Wow. Listen, what would Jesus do? That's a thing, and I don't know if you have a bracelet or not. I mean, I guess that's okay. It's kind of special. I think it's somebody trying to make money, to tell you the truth. But what would he do? I think most of the time, can I say this respectfully, he'd keep his mouth shut. Remember when they accused him? You did this, you did this. You, said you know what he said? The Bible says he opened not his mouth. That's where I get that. It's in the Bible. And sometimes you're not going to persuade somebody to what you think. You ever talk to somebody to you're blue in the face, whatever that means. And they still, they still think what they want to think. And someone said this, this is not a Bible verse, but it's true. A man persuaded against his will is of the same opinion still. 
He may smile and say, okay, have a nice day. He's, he's doing his own thing. Unless we're persuading about things of God's word and about who Jesus is. Our world's confused about who Jesus is. Now, I like Christmas, but unfortunately, our world, our nation is getting worse. Of It's everything but Jesus. Now, again, I do believe in Santa Claus. As long as he gives me what I want. Now, if I don't get what I want, I don't believe in him no more. You know what I'm saying? So don't be a hard nose. Yes, it's take away, it definitely takes away from Christ. I agree with that. And a lot of things at this time will be coming up, taken away from Christ and the real meaning of Christmas. So you know what? We need churches that, that talk about the real Jesus and what he is and who he did. He, he was God's son. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. The Bible told us both those things. So we have to go back to the Bible. People may and will fail you. People and members of the Anchorage Church can and will fail you. If they haven't, hang on. I like what one man said. This is really good. It is not a Bible verse, but it's true. Stop looking at the unfaithfulness of man and look at the faithfulness of God. That'll help. And by the way, when some people fail you, it's not they all intentionally, it's not like saying, oh boy, I'm going to zing this guy. Now, there's a few people like that. I, I'm not, I live in the real world. There's a few people like that. We might use, can you use the word jerk in church? I'm going to. But most people, if they fail you, it's not that they set out to fail you. It's not. And maybe you or I fail them and don't even realize it, don't mean it either. I wonder if that's why he said that in chapter 4, verse 32. He said, well, I know they meant to zing me. Well, zinging them back ain't going to help you. Actually, saying, just saying nothing like Jesus or forgiving them and going on. Guess who gets to sleep at night? You. I've had, I had a lady send me, a church member send me one time, how do you sleep at night? I wanted to say, better than you, but I didn't. I just, I did like Jesus and kept my mouth shut, bit my tongue. But fine. The secret of consistent Christian living is Christ in our life, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Not just Wednesday night and Sunday. And you know what? Consistent Christian living builds up the church. How many times have people said to me, his pastor, or maybe even to you, Oh, hypocrites at the church. Don't argue with them. Say, yeah, there are some. Now, don't give me any names. <laughs> but you see, Jesus said, or excuse me, Paul said in Hebrews 12 too, three important words. Looking unto Jesus. We're focusing on him. By the way, did somebody sing him and do him wrong? Humanly speaking, yes, we know it's God's plan. I understand all that stuff. But did they do him wrong? He never did anything wrong. I can't even wrap my mind around that. I think we breathe and do stuff wrong. I do. Maybe you don't. He was totally innocent, and he died for totally guilty. So he was mistreated, but again, he didn't open his mouth. I think I'd have been saying all kinds of stuff. Paul said to the Hebrew Christians, looking unto Jesus, we're talking about building a church, focusing on Jesus. If we look unto Jesus, it eliminates all excuses for failure, including the hypocrites. The thing about hypocrites is don't be one. What's hypocrite? Says one thing and does another. Now, none of us are perfect. And if people where you work, and where you go to school, know you're Christian, they're going to be hypercritical of you. For example, you use two Kleenexes instead of one to blow your nose. Oh, you're wasting the company's money. You think I'm kidding? People, some people are ridiculous. And they're going to expect you to live like, to be Jesus. Well, you're not. But keep focusing on him. Look, pointing people to him. 
Christ, the perfect one, leads on the higher ground, not lower ground. We're talking about building the church. Our personal relationship with Christ is revealed by how we live. When you hit the doors. I appreciate people behaving at church. Although I've been to a couple of churches where the people were acting a little crazy. Not here. I travel a lot of churches now. See a lot of things. Some of them are very interesting. Some of them are special. But how do you live when you hit the doors? Now, I don't mean you have to go around with your suit and tie every day. and wear, I don't mean that. I mean, how do you live? The words that come out of your mouth, how do you react? How do you react? We're talking about focusing on Christ. You have to focus on yourself. The preacher can't follow you around and say, focus on Christ, look to Christ. We can't do that. I have to do it myself for myself. That's why Paul said to the Hebrew Christians, looking unto Jesus, how are you living? How are you going to live? Do you know him first as your personal Savior? Really, you can't live right until you know him as personal Savior, that you haven't had that time and place, you've repented of sin, and trusted him to save you personally. And are we cultivating that relationship? How do you do that? Well, there's many ways. One, you're doing when you're sitting here preaching, here in, here in the service. You're assembling. It's a church assembling. By reading his word every day, some people read the newspaper more consistently than they read their Bible. I duck those of you who are just listening while audio. Or could I say they look at their phone? I left mine at home. Some people look at their phone more than they read God's word. And let me say this about Facebook. Just this. Put your face in this book as much as you put it on Facebook. It might help you a little bit. Now, I have, I don't have, you know, I look at stuff like you do, but my whole life isn't built on Facebook. I don't care what Mrs. Jones had for breakfast. Some of the most ridiculous things are on there. I'm thinking, who in the world cares? There's six billion, seven billion people on the earth. I don't care what you had for breakfast. I don't care if you found another gray hair in your head. Pull it out, for heaven's sake. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Get your face in this book. We're talking about building it. You know what? If my face and your face is in this book every day, you know what? It'll help build the church. Because this book will change us and mold us and conform us to Christ. That's what helps build the church. One of the things that helps build the church. <laughs> Another thing I think that Paul talks about here is found in verse 14. How can we help build the church, this church in particular, because we're here? Get back to the basics. Again, that's what a lot of churches are not doing today. They're going to everything but the basics. Many efforts to build up churches fail. <clears throat> the emphasis may be on programs rather than on people. Now, we have programs, they're helpful, but that's not the emphasis. We heard about some of those in the announcements. We need to have stuff for people to do. Understand that. But some churches, everything's a program. Everything's a program. And there's 10 minutes for preaching. Maybe half hour for singing, if they call it singing. 10 minutes for preaching, they wonder what's wrong with the people. And a lot of churches have cut down they once a week. Listen, once a week, do you eat once a week? <laughs> I'm not against eating. I can eat now, so I do eat. But I eat more than once a week. And some people come to church, and they do eat when they come to church that preaches God's word, but is once enough? Well, I read my Bible every day. That's helpful. <laughs> but we all like to eat. And so you could eat more by being in this house more. By the way, that helps build the church. You know, empty, empty seats don't attract Say, well, they'll miss me. I'm one person. What if 25 people said that? They won't miss me. I'm only one person. Really? Well, you are one. We used to have an old, old lady, I said that respectfully, years ago at the other church, and she was like four foot ten. And she was, my wife and I would pick her up for church. 
You couldn't even hardly see her head. She'd sit in the front row, and you couldn't see her head hardly. But I knew it was there because her hair was red. I don't think it was natural, if you know what I mean. She was probably 85, 90. And she, she would claim she has no talent. She would claim she's the only one person. She wrote a poem once. It was really good. She, was, she said, I'm going to be there in my seat every Sunday. And she was until she passed away. One person is important. The emphasis needs to be on people, not a program. Now, we may use the program to help reach people, but we need to have the balance. <clears throat> the goal is to build up the people so they can build up the church. People are the most important thing. Remember, Jesus died on the cross for people. I'm sorry, he didn't die for your dog. If you have one, more power to you. He didn't die for your cat. He didn't die for your hamster. We've had all of those. Thank God we don't have any of them now. No dogs, no cats, no hamsters. None of that. And if you do, more power to you. But I had a lady once. She wanted me to pray for her dog as a prayer request from the pulpit. I said, I'm not going to do that. I mean, yeah, as your pastor, I will pray for your dog because you asked me to. I will pray about it. I'm not going to announce the church to pray for your dog. And maybe that was mean, I don't know, but Jesus died for people. And isn't our society more animal-oriented today? Let's murder the babies, but let's save the whales. Amen. You know, we have, even in Maslin, oh, actually it's in Navarre, do you know we have a pet cemetery now? So yeah, I don't know, my dog's there. That's okay, it's not a sin. And even one of the funeral homes that starts with a capital H, and it's on First Street, they'll have a service for you for your dog. Now, if you do that, make sure you tell them that I sent you. Maybe they'll give an offering to the church. <laughs> but this is public information. And I, again, I don't think it's sinner. What I'm saying is, it's kind of strange. We've got a cemetery. It's a cemetery. It's not a section of the cemetery. It's in the bar. A section for a whole cemetery for pets. You know, when my, my, I had a pet rabbit when I was a kid. He was a wild rabbit. Wilbur. And when Wilbur died, you know what? I put him in a canceled checkbox. I dug a hole and stuck him in. Now, we had a little funeral for him. And I took clothespins and a string and made a little thing like he was in a special. But my dad made me go way, my dad said, to go in the car, way away from the house, like I couldn't get there. And we had a service for Wilbur. Big whip, he's a, he's a rabbit. Now, I'm not saying to be cruel to animals. I don't mean that. When you say this kind of stuff, people say, you hate animals. No, I don't. I just don't want to feed him or clean up after him. <laughs> Next. What's this got to do with building up the church? I don't know. I was in a church last week. The guy brought his dog to church. Well, he had a, a security helpful seeing eye dog. That's different. You ever read that verse in the Bible, beware of dogs? That's not what it's referring to. It's out of context, but it sounds good right here. People make up the church, not a building. People serve, people pray, people give, people attend, people tell other people about Christ. The building doesn't do anything than other to provide a place to meet. And thank the Lord for it, don't misunderstand me. But like my old pappy used to say, anybody could drive a new car if you want the payment. But still beat standballs in best building. God uses people to build his church. Jesus gave instruction to the church as to how to build up a church. Isn't it strange? We got easy instructions, but people don't want to follow them because it's Bible. Remember in Matthew 28 when he said to those guys, go into all the world to preach the gospel of every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? It's not hard to understand. Get the gospel out. Out the doors of the church. Yes, in Sunday school, and the pulpit out the door to the people. To the people, they need Christ. <clears throat> That's why we support missions. How can you truly improve on that plan? Many think you can. But you know what? They might get people, but they don't really have a Bible-preaching church. And many, because I'm in the field of churches and have been for a couple of years, a lot of these, quote-unquote, big churches, I'm not against a big church. <clears throat> but a lot of them 
have done this stuff for years, and now even the pastors said, you know what, I've got a lot of people who don't really have a church. In my words, it's a lot of fluff. And nowadays, too, we have, I've even seen it myself, of people starting a new church, and they send a questionnaire out to the community. What kind of church do you want? What kind of church do you think the community wants if they're not saved? Fun, games, parties, one hour once a week, no giving. Live what I claim to be saved and live what I want want to live. No, I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you, you need the questionnaire. We got the Bible. Preach the gospel. Get the word out. Tell people, love people, win people. That's how it's done. That's how you build the church up. And one person can't do that by himself. I can't do it. You can't do it by yourself. But remember, Paul said to the Corinthians, we are laborers together. We're all going to the same goal. At least we should be. That's being unified, not only on doctrine, but on the goal of building up the church in every way. The winds of false doctrine are ever blowing. They were in Paul's day in Ephesus. They even are today. Be careful what you watch on television. I'm talking about Christian television. All Christian television is not doctrinally correct. Watch the World Series instead of some of those programs. Now there are some good programs on. There is. But there's a lot of, I'm going to use my word, goofball programs. Just because a guy has a suit, has a Bible, looks like he's talking good, big whoop, listen to what he's saying. There's a lot of baloney. Be careful of the books that you buy, the DVDs you watch. Be careful. Spend more time reading this book. Say, I don't understand it. Keep reading. Keep reading. The more you read it, the more it makes sense to you. When you went to school and the teacher gave you a textbook for the class, did you say, I don't understand this? You probably said nothing. This is the textbook for the class. Read it, digest it, understand it. We're not giving you a new version. I went to public school. I know what it's like. How do we counter false teaching and build up the church? Because false doctrine and false teaching tears down the church, divides the church. And it's usually over some silly thing like how many angels can fit on the head of a ballpoint pen? If you know, tell me after church. I've been wondering for the last 50 years. And secondly, who cares? Can God make a rock too big he can't lift? I, th- I think I'm going to stop there because I've heard so many silly, foolish questions. They're not worth repeating, but those two are good. False doctrine. When somebody says, well, you know, the church is not important. Oh, I believe Jesus died for the church. We are sitting here today... Because Jesus died for the church. Yes, he died for you. You could be saved. He died for the church for its existence. He started the first one with him and the twelve. And one of them was a rotten egg. And he picked him, didn't he? He even handpicked him. And he was a rotten egg. False teaching. Expose false teaching. And present the truth. That's pretty much it. And, and people say, I don't want to say stuff against... Now, there's one thing if you're picking on somebody, just to pick on somebody. But if they're not teaching the truth, listen, this church right behind us over here, they sent us flyers and moved into this building. But you know what? And I sent them a thank you and actually went over to give it to them, and nobody was there. They do not preach the Bible. They do not tell men and women how to be saved by grace through faith. I'm not going to burn down their building. I'm not going to protest. But I'm telling you, it's a false church. And on and on we can go. Now, we always love the people. Don't misunderstand me. Don't get an attitude. Some people get an attitude. Oh, I'm right. Everybody's wrong. I got an attitude. Did Jesus have an attitude? I don't think so. If he did, it was a good one. But he also told the truth. That leads us to the next thing that builds up a church. Verse 15, the first part of verse 15 says, We should speak the truth in love. Now, sometimes we speak, we. We speak the truth in not in love. Are you with me? Oh, your hair looks awful today. Well, maybe it does. Just keep your mouth shut. Did you gain weight? 
I always love when people say, do you dye your hair? Now it's really, really bad when your own mother asked me two different times. She said, Mark, are you dyeing your hair? I said, no. Now she was my mother, so I let her go slide. You know what I mean? Now I think really it could be in general talking, but speak the truth about the truth in love. In other words, I'm not going to be hateful to those people. And actually, some of them came to some of the services. I just preached like I did to everybody else. So it's one thing to just speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. Before you got saved, how did you want people to give you the gospel? Oh, you know what? If you don't receive Christ, you're going to burn to hell forever and ever. That'll go down good. Do you think that might not be not in love? You know Christ died for you, and you can go to heaven by receiving him as your personal Savior, and I wish you would, and God loves you, and we love you. Which one would you like? One? I'm with the optometrist. One or two? We all would like two. How do you want people to talk to you? Speak the truth in love. Who's he talking to? A local church. Sometimes, again, if you know anything nice to say, keep your mouth shut. That's what my mom said. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. I think it says some things about that, but it doesn't say those words. Speak the truth in love. Maybe somebody needs correction on doctrine. First, you might need to talk to your pastor first. That would be his position, but maybe you need to. Do it in love, because you might be wrong on something, too. I'm not talking about something major, because major stuff, there's no question. There's a lot of gray areas in the Bible. Truth and love make a dynamic combination, doesn't it? Truth and love make a dynamic combination. That's what Paul is saying here to these people in this church and to us even today. The gospel is the truth. I've heard people say, you've heard people say, that's the gospel truth. They're trying to tell you they're not lying. That's more of an American thing, I guess, but that's the gospel truth. They don't even know what the word gospel means. Good news. It's the good news of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ that you can be saved. That's the gospel. That's in a nutshell. So the gospel is the truth. It's true. Let's get back to the gospel. Not having parties. Not all these other social gospel things that people do. They're not wrong things, but the problem is they get off track. They're not focusing on Jesus. They're not preaching the truth. And let's be sure if we preach the truth, either from the pulpit or personally, we do it in love. I'm not talking about excusing people's wrong or sin or whatever, but we need to, we need to have the right attitude about it. You ever thought about this when John 4, when Jesus talked to the woman at the well, she was committing adultery? How do you think he looked at her? Think he had a scowl on his face? I mean no disrespect. You think he had an attitude in his voice when he talked to that woman? I don't think so. He spoke the truth. He said, lady, the guy you're living with is not your husband, and the other four guys weren't either. Go back and read it in John 4. But then he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Can't you just picture the look on his face? Go and sin no more. We're supposed to be like him. Isn't that convicting and thought-provoking at the same time? We don't forgive sins, by the way. He does. That goes back to the focus on Jesus. He's the one that can save him, forgive him, not us. Whether it's biblical truth or whether it's just where you want to go for lunch. Speak the truth in love. Say, well, I don't like, I'm not going to say it again, TB. I don't like that. Well, not everybody does. Just smile and say, okay, I'm going to somewhere else. Or whatever. We're talking about building up the church. The goal of the church should be to build up its members, and then they are the ones who serve the Lord about the church. It's not hard to understand. The church is a living thing as it grows, as each member grows, each group grows, the church grows. Building up a church results in evangelizing the community. Isn't that our goal? The goal is not just to fill up every pew. Yeah, that's a goal. That's a sub-goal. The goal is to reach a community with the gospel. Probably. We're not going to reach people in Cleveland. 
But there are a couple of good churches up there that probably can and will. And one in particular that's working at it. And others. So we're going to reach people in Maslin. And people you work with and your neighbors and where you know and where you live. A few months back, you know, one of the things we did at church is we would visit new homeowners. We get a list. It's public information. And we send them a letter. The church sends them a letter. Then we try to follow up at the house and say hi and have a little packet. A couple months ago, I had a new neighbor move in two houses down from me. They got three kids. So I got one. I made some calls on my own. I got some of the, I got one of those packets. They have three kids. So I put three Bob Evans breakfasts for the kids. And I went over and introduced myself to the neighbor. And I said, Paul, you know, low key. Paul, what our church does when somebody buys a house, he just bought it because he told me he paid too much for it. I didn't say nothing. It's his business. He probably did pay too much for it. But that's not here. I said, Paul, we like to welcome you, congratulate you on buying the house. Here's three certificates for your kids to have a free lunch when you go to Bob Evans and invite you to church. And there's tracks and so forth. And, And he was so friendly and so nice. Now, to look at him humanly, some people say, I'm not going to talk to that guy. He did look kind of scary. I'm not going to elaborate because he might be listening. But you know what? He was very, very, very nice. I was kind of surprised. I just walked across the yard and said, hey, you know, I mean, who knows what the guy's going to say. Mow your grass! Now he mows his grass. You bum, mow your grass. Now he mows his grass. The point is... Speak the truth in love. And you know what? He responded in a positive way. He didn't say, I'll be at church Sunday, Mark. But he's not dead. I'm not dead and God's not dead. The Bible's still true. He's got three kids. Keep working on him. The point is, usually people react to the way we act toward them. If you don't speak the truth in love, you're going to get it. Because that's a human nature. Even safe people sometimes we don't let the Holy Spirit always control us, do we? I'm raising my hand for all of us. Oh, I always let the Holy Spirit control me. Now you're a liar. That's a strong word, isn't it? No, you don't. We should, but we don't sometimes. And the flesh controls us. And we say things and do things and act ways we shouldn't. Let's build up Anchor Baptist Church. You know, our nation, our world is in desperate need of the gospel. We came across these statistics that are kind of alarming and scary and exciting all at the same time. They're kind of like mixed emotions. Your mother-in-law going over the cliff in your new Cadillac. Mixed emotions. Only the married people will get that. The number of unchurched American to adults in America is 114 million adults add to that 42 million children and teenagers the total number of unchurched americans if it was a nation it'd be the eighth largest nation in the world isn't that wild we're talking about america not the whole world there are 38 million americans who have quit church in the last 10 years 38 million. That's more than the population of Australia or Canada. Quit church. And I'm not going to go on this, but people quit church for the silliest reason sometimes. Well, the preacher did this, the preacher did that. He preached too long, he preached too short. He didn't, his his, his tie didn't match his jacket. You know when I say that stuff? Get a life. People quit church. Well, they didn't have enough paper towels in the bathroom when I went to the men's room. Well, do what you usually wipe it on your shirt and go on. Just don't let your kids see you do it. I mean, I've heard a lot of stuff in 45 years. Well, there's no toilet paper in the bathroom. Well, wait till you get home or go in the closet or find somebody and get some. I mean, come on. It's usually something silly. It's not doctrinal. Well, this church is not preaching God's word anymore. Now, they might say that, but it may not be true. You sit down and talk to them. It's some, some silly thing. Quit church. 
By the way, how can you quit church and quit God if you're saved, really? You ever read that verse, he that endures to the end shall be saved? What's that mean? I think that's part of what it means. You just keep going. Remember, I didn't die for you, Jesus did. This church didn't die for you, Jesus did. He died for its existence. 76% of unchurched Americans previously attended church. The majority of unchurched individuals have first-hand experience with one or more Christian churches. Based on that sampling, they've decided they can better use their time in other ways. Both my neighbors directly, they mow their grass on Sunday. I don't, can't find a verse for it, but it's interesting. Or they go somewhere else or do something else. Not wrong stuff, but I could find better time and go to church. Really? What if you go to some goofball church? That sounds kind of hard, doesn't it? If they don't preach God's word, really, you'd be better off mowing your grass. But if they're preaching God's word, and the preacher here preaches God's word, and I've told him personally, he good. <laughs> I've told him that himself, so, so there is no excuse. He's good explaining things and preaching things. He's good. 62% of unchurched Americans claim Christianity is a religion. Most of the churches in America, contrary to what one might believe, do not hate Christianity nor desire to belittle it or tear it down. Many of them remain culturally tied to Christianity and are significantly interested. But I want to add that they don't go to church. I find that last one kind of 62%. That'd be a bunch of people. There's like 300 million in this country. Do the math after church. 62%, we even got a couple of them. How to build up the church. In a simple sentence, this is mine. These verses that Paul said to Corinth and the church at Ephesus and today, and these are my words. Be part of the building crew, not the wrecking crew. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. The piano is going to begin to play. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. Now it takes all of us to build up a church. Hey, I'm still working at it myself. I'm a church member, but I still work at it myself. Maybe we all need to work at it, maybe more and a little better. Father, I pray to speak to our hearts through your word and challenge us. Speak to that one or more who may not know Christ as their Savior. Their focus would be turned to him today, that he's the Savior. They would trust him. Speak to every church member in building up this church which we belong to. We pray in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The altar is open if God spoke to your heart. The altar is open.